When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's the final show of the second round. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert back with you. Yes, the Vegas Golden Knights have completed the postseason pitcher, at least in the semifinals, joining the Lightning, Islanders, and Canadians in the third round following a 6-3 victory over the Colorado Avalanche in Game 6. Yes, four consecutive victories for the Golden Knights to close out the President's Trophy champions. Uh, they truly figured out the Colorado Avalanche, unlike any team has done, certainly over long periods of time this season. Uh, in what was a fascinating matchup, maybe, you know, it had like, this is the Stanley Cup final written all over it. And it was very fascinating. And the hockey was tremendous. And it was probably the two best teams in the league. But it wasn't exactly a thriller. Because the Vegas Golden Knights just took control, basically, after game one. Uh, and closed the show in six games, again, with four straight victories. The reward for the Vegas Golden Knights is Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens, who finished with the 18th best record in the regular season. And they'll be matching up with the second best team from the regular season. We'll see if that is indeed as lopsided as it may seem. So how do we reach this point? Honestly, I think it's going to take a little bit to unpack. Uh, as, as I'm watching these, certainly these last four games, I'm trying to figure out how we got to the point where one team has emerged as clearly superior than the other, especially when they were so close in the regular season and that Colorado was actually ahead in the end. Um, and actually, you know, get the, got the better seed, had the easier first round and looked like the dominant side through the first four periods. Um, but as much as I have to unpack and trying to figure out how this happened, Certainly, the job is substantial for Joe Sackick and the Colorado management team uh, because they've got to figure out how to fix this. Not that, you know, everything needs this uproar every time a team just doesn't win a round. I mean, it happens. There can only be one winner in each series and there can only be one winner in the end. Um, but it feels like there might have to be something more there and certainly issues that they have to address. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, since the 7-1 victory for the Avalanche in Game 1, the Vegas Golden Knights were the better team. And that seemed more and more obvious as the series went on. As Game 3, Game 4, Game 5, and Game 6, it just seemed to... We, we reached the point where Vegas had just put their nose out in front and it wasn't going to move from there. Uh, 
I have three main points, I guess, as I try to figure all this out. And I'll probably be writing on this uh, a little bit more because this is, you know, the most notable result that I think we've had in the Stanley Cup playoffs so far. Uh, And and I think the one thing that stands out for me from Colorado's uh, standpoint is that they were exposed from a defensive standpoint. And I, I find that interesting because... I believed at least a couple months into the season, I had Peter Baugh from The Athletic join me, who did a great job on the beat all year long. And I posed the question to him, is, is the defense on this team actually the strength of this team? I mean, we're talking about Bowen Byram coming in and looking like the next Kale McCarr. Of course, Kale McCarr, Norris Trophy finalist. Sam Gerrard, they're talking about him for Team Canada at the Olympics. Um, you know, Ryan Graves being this found money and, and uh, Devon Tays being this brilliant, maybe the best single best offseason acquisition there was. And I think we probably have to dial that back a little bit. Maybe Tyler Toffoli has, um, has an argument there or Petrangelo uh, for Vegas. But I-, I thought that was a reasonable take because it just seemed like one through six they were completely dominant and a unit unlike any other team had. I believe the strength was in the defense for Colorado. But in game five, and the, 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 the last two games in particular, in game five, Ryan Graves was a massive, massive issue. His two mistakes led to goals and the overtime winner from Mark Stone. I mean, he became exposed as this series went on. And then in game six, Ryan Graves wasn't good either. But Sam Gerrard was a problem as well. I mean, he got out-muscled. He, he got caught up ice. He just continued to make mistakes. And that seemed to be a common theme for Colorado, who didn't have Byron, didn't have Eric Johnson in, had Connor Timmons and, and Patrick Nemeth as their third pair. It seemed like they were exposed a little bit in their defense core, and that's not what I expected. Uh, certainly that defensive unit was not as good as the one that Vegas has put together. Uh, and I wouldn't have said that in the regular season. I mean, Alex Petrangelo wasn't fitting in perfectly. His acquisition made it so that they played with five defensemen on occasion. I mean, it looked like if you came into the series and you were choosing which defensive core would be better, I would have said Colorado. But now, unequivocally, at the end of the series, I'm saying Vegas. Petrangelo has been worth all the money in the world in these playoffs so far. Certainly in this series, he was remarkable. Shea Theodore remains one of the best defensemen in the league. Braden McNabb coming back was a huge boost. Alec Martinez looked like a different guy out there setting up William Carlson for a beauty goal to give them an advantage early in this game. There was tons of scoring, so I, I kind of lost track of things a little bit. But even Zach Whitecloud and Nick Holden scored in this game as well. It wasn't exactly a masterpiece, um, but the defensive depth and the the performance of that defense core, night and day compared to where Colorado ended up. I think my other point, or my next point, would be that Vegas, in comparison to Colorado, just had this wide variety of scorers. I mean, the best line in the entire series, or the most impactful line, I guess, was the OG myth, misfit line of William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault, and R- Riley Smith, the guys that have been there since day one, and that's not that long ago. It's only been four years. But that line has been together since this team's inception, basically, and they led the way from an offensive perspective, scoring, I, I think they combined all together for eight goals in the series. So they were massive. Uh, Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty had their moments as well. Max Pacioretty, since he came back in the lineup, scored a ton of goals, and he was a big difference maker for them. Mark Stone scored the overtime winner in Game 5. And, of course, the Nathan McKinnon-Miko Rantanen combination was great 
up until, well, at least up until, I guess, game three, they went a little quiet in this series and they did show up in game six. I'll give them that. But, you know, they had their moments certainly in the series and Brendan Saad was very good for Colorado throughout. But beyond everything that I just mentioned, one team, other than what I just talked about, had contributions from their depth and one team didn't. And Vegas clearly did. Uh, in fact, they hit all the scorigami uh, in this series or in these playoffs so far uh, with, you know, we're through 13 games in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Vegas is. And with Nick Holden scoring, Keegan Colsar scoring, Petrangelo scoring, and William Carrier all scoring their first goals of the postseason in this game, the Vegas Golden Knights have now have 16 different scores in the Stanley Cup playoffs. That is remarkable. And on the flip side, all that Colorado had, I mean, Andre Burkowski, who was a force in the playoffs last year, he scored his first of the playoffs in this game, in game six, that they lost and were eliminated from. Uh, and pretty much other than that, no one else had anything. There was nothing behind McKinnon, Rantanen, and Saad. And I, I think that the why to that is the biggest thing. And I think that leads me to my next point or point number three here as I run through it is the Nazem Kadri suspension. I hate to bring this up. I really do. I am I'm a guy who cheers unequivocally for Nazem Kadri. But this is now three straight postseasons that he's ended while watching from the press box because he did something to earn a suspension that carried through until the team's final game. He would have been back for game seven. Colorado didn't make it till game seven. And just like the previous two, both of them happened in Toronto and those two suspensions are the reasons why, is the reason why, He's not with the Maple Leafs anymore. They gave up on him after the second suspension in Boston, which contributed to their downfall, one of many in the last five years. Well, five in the last five years. Um, but this one was just as damaging. It didn't seem like it was going to be that way because they won the first four games in his absence. But they lost the last five games of his eight-game suspension, or the last four games of his eight-game suspension, rather. Just as damaging, this Kadri suspension as it was for the other two. Maybe even more damaging because if we're being honest, one team had expectations. The other team was just trying to get through one round. In his absence, Kadri's absence, is twofold here. The, 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 the impact of it is twofold. He would have probably been the guy charged with shutting down the OG misfit line, as, as, as I've discussed with Carlson, Marcheseau, and Smith. He would have been the guy that had to slow their role. And on top of that, he would have been the guy trusted and leaned on to help facilitate that second wave of offense, that next layer that Colorado could never produce. Eight game suspension. And it took all eight games for it to cost them. Again, it wasn't a big deal for the first four. It was a massive deal for the last four. I think the best story to come out of the series is and continues to be Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, what else can you say about this dude? I felt so bad for him when he was basically politely shown the door in Pittsburgh and said, you know, you, you pretty much have to take this because otherwise you're going to be vilified in this town. And we want to protect what we have here, which is back-to-back -back Stanley Cup winner. Um, it just didn't seem fair. I mean, this was a guy beloved and... You know, everyone reaches their expiration date, and it seemed like he was closing in on his. Yet in four years with Vegas, obviously he's been here from the start, the most important player in franchise history. 
In these four years, he's solidified his Hall of Fame candidacy. All the wins he's put up since he's been here. Now third all-time in the NHL. Another run to the cup final, that came in their first year. Another run here to the semifinal, it's the franchise's third in the last four years. And a Vesna Trophy nomination this year, after Robin Leonard, the goaltender brought in to replace him, just like Matt Murray. The same thing happening again, a redux of what happened in Pittsburgh. He supplanted him. Robin Leonard supplanted Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury probably would have been traded if the salary cap didn't stay flat, if basically no one could do anything in the summer months. He probably would have been gone. But he, he stuck around, more circumstances, and he simply outplayed Robin Leonard. It was, you know, he, he, he benefited from the fact that Robin Leonard was hurt for a long portion of the year and has been dealing with some issues. But Marc-Andre Fleury outplayed him and virtually every other netminder in the entire league this year. And how about these numbers in the postseason? Now 8-4 and four in terms of win and, wins and loss. He wasn't in the net in that 7-1 loss in Game 1 versus Colorado. That was Robin Leonard. And he, since he's returned... And all these, uh, and all, and now with you know eight wins to his four losses, a 9.23 save percentage, and he's done it. I think against the toughest competition so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs with Minnesota and then Colorado. I think you could maybe argue Tampa, but when you're really being honest with yourself, the way Minnesota played against Vegas, and Colorado being the President's Trophy winner. I think Vegas's road has been that much more difficult, and I guess the reward for that is the fact that they're playing the 18th best team in the regular season in round three with a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final. On the Colorado side, expectedly, Nathan McKinnon wore his heart on his sleeve in the postgame. He's, you know, he took it tough last year. I think he probably took it tougher this year. Four straight losses. It's got to hurt just in the series alone. And now three second round losses in a row for the Colorado Avalanche. Many circumstances, yes, uh, facing such a good team in the second round. I mean, this team deserved to be more than a second-round loser. Um, But there are lessons to be learned here from Colorado for him, for his team, and certainly for management. There's no doubt they're going to be back, but they've got to make some – they've got to, you know, conduct some self-reflection during this offseason and figure out how they can be better next year at least – they'll be able to avoid Colorado until the third round because they'll be in different divisions next year. So maybe a conference final versus Vegas next year, and they'll have a chance to exact their revenge. Perhaps we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. But with Vegas's win, it sets up, um, I guess you could call it an interesting matchup with Montreal. I don't want to doubt Montreal too much. But it is interesting. It's definitely headline-worthy. It's deserving of being at the top of the marquee. I mean, Montreal is the oldest team, I think, in existence. Certainly the one with the most history and the most success over their 100-plus years of existence, while Vegas is the newest team. It won't be next year, but for now, it's, it's, the, it's the youngest blood and the first time that we've really seen any expansion team in the modern era have so much success. Again, though, it, it, it probably shouldn't be that competitive. And, and I'll, I'll say the reason why I believe that is because my first read of the series is that Vegas is like the 3.0 or 4.0 version of what Montreal is aspiring to be. You know, fantastic goaltending, a really, you know, a star-laden, really, defense core that can shut down opposition. 
and a top line that's not necessarily full of full of superstars that are you know well they make money mark stone is a superstar but it's almost like a defensively responsible first line which is not usually the characteristic of a first line i mean the the first lines that we talk about and and and, and you know during the regular season that catch our eye our eye Connor McDavid, not known for defensive play, known for scoring all these goals. Austin Matthews, same thing in Toronto. The Nathan McKinnon line, not known for being a defense first or that being their strength. But with both Montreal and and Vegas, I mean, Phil Deneau, I don't think he's done anything offensively. I don't believe he scored a goal in the series, but he was probably the most valuable player for Montreal because he shut down the opposition. And it's sort of the same thing with Vegas. I mean, their top center by you know the way their lineup works is Chandler Stevenson, who's not a star by any means. And their best forward is best known for his defensive capabilities, and that's Mark Stone. So it's kind of like two teams looking at each other in the mirror, but one is advanced so far down the line while the other one's trying to be um trying to get to that point. And it it will depend again on the depth, you'd think, because I, I, I'm you know the Deno and stone lines could go head to head and one could have a huge advantage. It's possible. Um, but it feels like those lines are going to be, you know, they're going to be certainly involved in how this goes, but just like this series has went the misfit line with, for Vegas, they're going to have to try and get theirs. And are they going to go head to head with the Nick Suzuki line and all that depth with Toffoli and Anderson. And then what happens with the bottom of the Vegas lineup, the, the, all the contributions that they get up and down the lineup, is that going to outshine what Montreal does? I think you would think that, but it, it is interesting how they're both going to try to win the same way. A wash up front and can our depth or let our depth go to battle. It should be interesting. I guess the most interesting layer though would be um, the goaltending battle. It's probably between Marc-Andre Fleury and Carey Price. It would be the two goalies we'd expect to be number one and number two for Canada at the Olympics in Beijing. If in fact these teams go, uh, they're probably, at least in Canada, the more you know, the most heralded and uh, the goalies that at least get the most attention. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury gets a ton of attention for his play, his personality, and Carey Price has just simply been believed or thought as as the best Canadian goaltender on the planet for the last decade or so. So an incredible goaltending matchup, two guys that are in the back half, but also at the height of their games. So um, it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. Also have Max Pacioretty's return uh, to uh, Montreal, former captain of the Canadians. Nick Suzuki, who was one of the first ever draft picks for Vegas. He was the key part of that trade, and he's been, uh, he's sort of growing himself into a star in Montreal. And also the Bachelor Party Destination Weekend uh, matchup, if we've ever had one, with Vegas and Montreal, the best place to go to a bachelor party in Canada versus the best place to go in the United States, although bachelor parties, I guess, are only possible in Vegas out of the two right now. Uh, we will have a full breakdown this weekend of the, you know, previewing the two semifinal matchups. We'll have Julian McKenzie on, who's been covering the Habs uh, very closely during this cup or the Stanley Cup run. So we'll break down Vegas and Montreal further and we'll dive into Tampa and the Islanders before things get underway Sunday afternoon. Tampa and the Islanders go then and then on Monday night as I sort of alluded to the marquee matchup even if it's a little lopsided Vegas and Montreal although Julian will try to convince me that it's not and maybe I should listen Um, but that's it for this one we will return as I mentioned for 
some preview shows, a preview show. Uh, we might sneak in a little analysis, do it Sunday night, just so we can talk about something from the third round while looking ahead. Uh, but we will have more content after a brief hiatus here as we have a little bit of a delay. No overlap between rounds two and rounds three. I look forward to a little break and I look forward to round three. We will chat then. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 